We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am overjoyed to be starting a brand new series with Carmen Vitali. You can find her on Twitter at Carmi V C A R M I V. Um, Carmen, I am so excited for this to be talking to you every single week, breaking down the NFC North. I know you were at Packers Bears last Sunday, so we'll get to that in just a moment. But Welcome to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to do this. Uh, love yeah. love all your stuff. And there's so much of it. So <laughs> I don't know how you keep everything straight, but this is wonderful. So thanks for fitting me in. Paid her extra to say that just for the record. But no, you're very, <laughs> very kind. Uh, you do amazing work. You can find her work on Fox Sports. She covers the NFC North, which is why she's going to make a perfect NFC North expert here. Obviously, we break down the Packers every single day, but there's a lot that goes on from the Lions, Vikings and Bears side of things. And that is where Carmi in Carmen, I should say, is going to get uh, our and be our absolute expert in that regard. I want to start with that Chicago Bears side of things, because if I remember correctly, you live in Chicago. You grew up a Bears fan. You were at the game in the press box this Sunday. So I kind of want to just get your feel for what was the overall feel in Chicago before the game? What was the feel in Chicago during the game? And what's been the feel in Chicago this past week? Because on social media, it seems like this game may have broken a few Bears fans. Uh, no, and social media, this is the rare occurrence where social media is pretty accurate. So, like you mentioned, I grew up a Bears fan. Now that I'm a reporter, I cover all four teams objectively and have kind of let the fan part go. Uh, but that doesn't mean I've forgotten about it. And I kind of called this from the from the jump because, A, the Packers have never not been good in my lifetime, and, B, Bears fans have never had nice things. So the fact that Aaron Rodgers left the division 
division. I was like, that's too good to be true. It's too easy for the Bears then to tilt this rivalry, you know, back the other way. Uh, and I just didn't see it happening. And sure enough, we saw on on <laughs> Sunday that that was the case, that it's kind of business as usual in multiple ways for the Packers and, and for Bears. But I mean, the hype coming out of Chicago has just been something else. I like I guess it's different now that I'm on the reporter side of things and maybe it was always this way but I I was just I I was like what has this team done again in my lifetime that has given you any faith that they've figured it out yet when we haven't seen that Uh, I've been at training camp for the Bears you know I, I went to practices leading up to week one I didn't see anything that told me that this year was going to be different but that was not the sentiment amongst Bears fans leading up to the game and the fact that it was against the Packers and the fact that this has been such a lopsided series for the last you know two decades really um it was it meant a lot and this was something that the Bears needed was to win this game and to show that they had made at least marginal improvements even if it didn't keep up they at least beat the Packers right that was the sentiment uh and afterwards it was just I, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact it was the same issues as last year for the same reasons. And that's very disheartening to see that the team hasn't st- taken a step forward seemingly at all. But then to have to suffer another really bad loss to a Christian Watson-less Packers team also yep. um, with a new quarterback under center that you were hoping wasn't <laughs> as good as his predecessors. And I'm not putting that on Jordan Love quite yet, but he did well. He did well. He executed this offense. We saw the full capability of a Matt LaFleur playbook and it ended like it's ended so many times before. It has. And I think that's why, and I can understand it a little bit from a Chicago bear fan side of things of like, you just had to feel if you're a bears fan, if not now, when like you just got done, like Aaron Rodgers self-proclaimed in his last game in Chicago that he still owned them And then he gets shipped off to the Jets. And it had to have been this just rush of relief for Bears fans. You had the three decades of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And now they didn't have that. There's no more Hall of Fame MVP quarterback. It's Jordan Love. And if, like I said, if not now, when you had a bunch of big free agent acquisitions in the offseason, you trade for DJ Moore, you get Darnell Wright at right tackle. It mm-hmm. felt like this had to be the moment there. This was half had to be the, the turning point in the, the, the battle between these two arch long nemesises and nemeses, nemesis, nemesis. Sure, nemesis yeah, whatever. And I can understand maybe the overconfidence going in because of that, but Man, it took a turn very, very fast in that game. It felt like one offense had the um, faith in their quarterback to throw it on third down, throw it down the field. And the other one, as the game went on, there was a lot of checkdowns. You know, I, I don't even blame Justin Fields for a lot of the stuff that went on in this game because the offensive line didn't protect very well. The receivers weren't always given 100% effort and getting it was just, it looked disjointed from the word go. And it kind of stayed that way throughout the course of the game. Yeah, it did. And it was very blatantly obvious to me that one coach was actively trying to help his quarterback and another one was trying to get an evaluation that perhaps just isn't there yet. Um, or I don't, I really don't know what the Bears offense was doing, quite honestly. I don't think no, the offensive line knew what, what they were there's doing. No identity. There's no identity. There's nothing. That no they identity. Can yeah. And I think that you can't completely abandon what Justin Fields is so good at. I get that you need to see him evolve as a passer, but what he's good at is running. He's an explosive runner. He's an exciting runner. He can do things with his legs that there are 
pretty much no other quarterback in this league can do. And you have to utilize that while trying to balance out getting him to throw the ball a little bit more and to see, I, I think he's, he's having some vision problems and I think he's pro- probably a symptom of seeing some ghosts even when he does have time, just because of the fact his line hasn't been reliable. Um, but I mean, even in throwing lanes where he was taking checkdowns, you could see DJ Moore in that same lane wide open down the field. And you're like, why aren't you seeing that Justin? And I get it. It's, it's, it's a tough environment to play when you don't trust your protection, you don't trust your receivers, and you don't trust, you really don't trust anybody. Um, and that's really hard. And that's the complete opposite of what we saw out of the Packers. And it, Jordan Love really trusted Matt LaFleur, and Matt LaFleur really trusted Jordan Love. And I think you saw so many different personnel groupings out of the Packers. You saw so many different formations, so much motion, all of that kind of stuff that's designed to help a young quarterback. And then you've got a guy like Aaron Jones that he can lean on. And you've got a line in front of him. That's just a brick wall and a defense that's now playing up to its talent level. So all the Packers have done, what the Packers have done is given Jordan love a really good environment to succeed. And that's not something that the Chicago bears have done. And that was on very stark display on Sunday. And as a, as a Packer fan, I know maybe not everyone will agree with me on this, but like, it's, it's a bummer, too, because you want to go up against the best of the best. As an NFL fan, I want to see these players succeed. I want to see, like, yes, it's great that the Chicago Bears are the little brother lately and that you just kind of constantly beat up on them. I was talking about this with Mike Wall as well. We the we did an episode um, just recently, and how great would it have been if Justin Fields and Jordan Love just put on a show? And, like, these are going to be the two next, like, great quarterbacks in the NFC, and we get to see this rivalry progress through the next, you know, however many years. And I'm gl- so glad – that you brought up the running ability of Justin Fields. Even if you want to go into this game and say, you know what, we can win with him throwing the football and we have to develop him as a pocket passer. And this has to be the next evolution for him. That's all fine. I understand maybe a little bit of the thinking behind that. I still as a defense and as a defensive coordinator, like if I'm playing against the bears, I still need to have the fear of God in me that at any moment you might have a designed run for him and he could take right. it 80 yards take to the off. house. Yep. And at no point did I ever feel that they felt committed uh, to him running the football. It just felt like, Hey, we're just going to call our offense. We're going to run the ball. They averaged without field scrambling. They averaged right around, I think three yards per carry. There was nothing to fear there. He couldn't throw the ball down the field. And even when he tried a lot of times, if, if they were trying to get the, the ball down the field, the offensive line for Chicago couldn't hold up against green Bay's front. There was nothing to strike fear in that green Bay's defense. And at some point you just have to let that guy do what he does best. And at no point did it ever feel like that was opened up. No, and I even talked about, I actually just got off of a CHO podcast where I talked about this. If you need to start your games with running Justin Fields, getting the offensive line kind of comfortable, like the offensive line was a pretty good run blocking unit last year. And then Justin Fields obviously can run the ball and that gives him confidence to be kind of in control of the hits he takes and to be able to take off and do the fun things that he can do with his legs. If it takes starting your games out like that, guess what? That's even harder for the defense than to contend with if you do start throwing the ball. It makes you multidimensional. So if they have to decide whether they're actually defending against the run or defending against the pass, that is what you want out of an offense. And so there's no downside to me of establishing that run. I mean, I know that's such an overused phrase, but of establishing, like you said, that fear just to see that Justin Fields can still do that. And then all the better if you get guys to kind of come in on him a little bit more and get defenders to creep down because they think they're going that Justin's going to run it. And then he opens up because he does have the arm strength. Um, We haven't necessarily seen him be as accurate as you would want him to be, but he has the arm strength to push the ball down the field. If you can give him time to do that. And I feel like settling in with the run game is probably the, 
best kind of starting point for this Bears offense. And we just didn't see that. They just kind of tried to force the throws, force the throw, thro- force the throws. And the line wasn't holding up. I mean, nothing was going right uh, when in, in terms of all of that. So they have a lot of kind of self-reflection to do, given the fact that the Bears are still dealing with the same issues they were last year. Um, and I really hope that that kind of a lot of those play calls kind of turn around and you still lean into what Justin does best. I've asked a couple of people this, but I want to get your opinion. Was this more Green Bay being good or was this more Chicago being bad? And I kind of feel like we're leaning in one direction based on our conversation so far. But uh, what's your take on that? Honestly, I think it's a, it, I think it's both. I really do. You saw so many good things out of Green Bay and you saw so many things out of Jordan Love um, that even when he didn't complete balls, I mean, the fact that he's throwing with anticipation, he's throwing to spots, he's throwing to good spots where only his receivers can get it. I mean, I know that there, it wasn't perfect and there were a couple of throws that he wants back and, and incompletions especially that he wants back, but he didn't turn the ball over. Even when he fumbled the ball, he picked it up and he chucked it down the <laughs> down the field for Luke Musgrave. So he's very poised. You can tell he he knows exactly what he's supposed to do out there and he has the tools to do it. It's just, I think, you know, as a young quarterback, you're still going to make some of these mistakes, but they seem extraordinarily fixable. And again, if you have a play caller that's going to get creative and help you in so many different ways, then I think that this is a really good team and this defense, if it keeps up again, like you have a very well-rounded team that could very much contend in this division. And on the flip side, the Bears are completely disjointed. So if they can figure out how to organize their offense a little bit better, I do think I saw a little bit of a marginal improvement on the defensive side of the ball. It wasn't a good effort by any means, don't get me wrong. But you could kind of see the vision and where these guys were going and, and what they were trying to do on defense. They did get Jordan Love into a lot of third and longs. Jordan Love just happened to convert them. But the fact that they even got them to those third downs is a vast improvement over last year. Chicago's third down numbers were very largely inflated last year, just given the fact that they didn't even teams didn't even need third down last year against this defense. So to, to see teams have to get to third down, and especially these third and longs, you have to think that's a marginal improvement. Um, I, I just, I have to think that this was a combination of the Packers doing well. I mean, I think they're going to have a more of a test than they probably initially thought against this Falcons defense yeah. uh, this weekend. But I think that simultaneously the Bears were also just completely discombobulated and that game got away from them very quickly. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Before we move on from the Packers and take a, a spin around the rest of the NFC North, I do want to ask you prior to week one's performance, you, I believe where it was on Fox sports, you had said you, you were doing a sit down interview and you said that you thought, and I, I may be getting the quote slightly wrong here, but basically quote green Bay, uh, the green Bay Packers did it again with Jordan love. And uh, you know, that can be taken a variety of different ways, but you kind of backed it up and say, Hey, if you're going to have a take, have a take. And you yeah. thought that maybe green Bay found their third consecutive However, good quarterback going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, but I'll let you uh, explain what you thought there. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. 
Goodbye game six of the NBA finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used game time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using game time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the game time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discount select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, I appreciate you not actually saying what the quote graphic said because I didn't actually utter the words that Jordan Love is a future Hall of Famer at this point. I, exactly. Under no circumstances do I want to put that on a young player who has had two starts in the league. Exactly. Um, but I went into saying how I just, it, in the way that they did it again, I mean, this has been a succession plan again for the last 30 years. And they seem to have found at least a serviceable quarterback that can very, like, that can very capably uh, operate this offense. And again, I think that a lot of that is seeing what Matt LaFleur can do and how creative he can get and how much he can help his quarterbacks. But they certainly, Green Bay certainly understands what young quarterbacks need to succeed. And that's why I said what I said in, in that interview was to just say they may have just done it again because also as someone who grew up a Bears fan, uh, that team broke my heart more often than I could even say. And it was one of those things where I was like, of course, Green Bay is going to do it again until proven otherwise. I am just going to assume that Green Bay is good. They are in contention every year, no matter who's under center at this point, because they know the formula and they execute the formula, especially it's especially impressive in a league that wants an immediate return on investment in these quarterbacks. I mean, how many rookie quarterbacks are starting this year? And I get it. It's a huge investment to put a first round pick into like, a, a, so you want whoever your first round pick is to start, 
But Green Bay has taken this slow and steady approach and it's worked out for them. And it's worked out for not just Green Bay. I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes is a poster child for this, where he got to sit for a while behind Alex Smith, really learn and get adjusted to the pace of NFL play, and then was actually trotted out there to be the dude. Um, I think that that is the way to develop quarterbacks. That is the way to get a long, like a long-term starter. Um, And Green Bay does it more better than anybody. They really do. It's kind of crazy. Take out the little stint of Mike Sherman as GM. That was kind of a fluke, but Ron Wolf comes in. One of the first things he does is trade a future first round pick for Brett Favre. You have the Brett Favre. Ted Thompson eventually takes over, takes on Brett Favre and very quickly first round pick on Aaron Rodgers. And then, you know, Brian Gutekinds eventually takes over from Ted still as Aaron Rodgers. One of the first big moves he makes and maybe a couple years later, but first yeah. big moves he makes moves up in the first round to go get Jordan Love. Yep. And then, you know, we'll see how that one turns out in comparison to his two predecessors and Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson. But it is pretty crazy. The formula that that they have and how well it has worked up until this point. We don't know what that's going to bring for Jordan Love, but um, early returns at least one weekend have not been too too shabby so far. Uh, Let's move over. It seems like forever ago. It was actually only a week ago as we're recording this, but the Detroit Lions, yes, the Detroit Lions went Mm -hmm. into Kansas City on banner night in one of the toughest places to play against the greatest player in football, arguably, and won. I was thinking back on this. I don't think there is a Detroit Lions team in my lifetime that goes into that Kansas City team with that type of quarterback and wins on the road on banner night. I just don't think there's a, I don't think a Barry Sanders led team. I don't think a Kelvin Johnson led team. I don't think any of those Detroit Lions team goes in and wins on opening night. Yes. No Travis Kelsey. Yes. No Chris Jones. I get some of those things. If you think any other coach and any other team in the NFL wanted to go to Kansas City at Arrowhead against Patrick Mahomes on ring night, you are crazy. No one wanted that game. Detroit took it on. They got a couple bounces that went their way, but they defeat Kansas City. I think it was 21-20 in that game. What a performance by the scrappy Detroit Lions. It was in the way that I can't get it out of my head that Green Bay is always going to be good. I always felt like that about the Lions too, because you're right. Like I've never, but somehow I've been able to make the turn. And I think it's because I've gotten to be in that locker room before, like last season, even when they were losing, this locker room was a fun place to be. And I say that not to come down on the Lions or condemn them in any way. If you can keep the energy up and the good vibes going, even when you're losing, that is an incredible testament to the culture that Dan Campbell and his staff have built because that's not easy to do. And they have believed in themselves even when it wasn't manifesting on the field. And now you see that they still have that belief in themselves. They turned it around completely last season, just barely missed the postseason, which was insane. And then people think, oh, well, you know, they're going to drop off after that. They can't, they can't continue at that pace. They can't continue to be these, these favorites now that they are in the NFC North. And yeah, they go into Kansas City into one of the most hostile environments in the league when Kansas City has everything to play for. And I don't care if you've got Patrick Mahomes on the other side of that ball, like this would be very different if the Lions had lost. Everyone would just be like, oh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes can do it with whoever, because that's what we saw. We saw that in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that he can he can make anything happen with any receivers. I know that the defense really suffers without Chris Jones, but there was there was a couple of points in there where I think Detroit committed a turnover and um, the Chiefs didn't get anything out of that play. They didn't get any points. And then they turned right back around. And then instead of as Patrick Mahomes is driving to make it 21-7, Brian Branch gets the deflection, takes that ball to the house, a yeah. rookie 
rookie second rounder yep. takes that ball to the house and now it's tied 14 all like that is not the lions team we are all used to even last year i don't think that happens no. and now you just you have to think that they keep building and they keep building and they have a really good overall roster um and those intangibles man i'm telling you those make a huge difference and they they have i got to talk to um actually uh, uh, Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator, because they got so much production out of their young players and how much, you know, kind of whatever you want to call it. I I wanted to swear, but I'm not going to, Um, but they got a lot of grief for their draft class this year and where they took guys and all that other stuff. I think Jack Campbell was a huge head scratcher for most people. And Jack Campbell, two plays before that deflection, had batted the ball out from Kadarius Tony's hands yep. on first down. And then he's involved in the play and he's going all over the field and he's sideline to sideline. His agility is so good. And Aaron Glenn told me he's not just a guy right now. This is a guy that has a chance to be a, a true Mike linebacker in this league for 10 to 12 years. Easily. And so when you start to think about how these young guys are viewed within Detroit system. Like it kind of makes more sense now why they took him in the first round. If you think you can get this guy is your guy for 10 to 12 years, why wouldn't you use a first round pick on him? And they have that expectation of so many of these young guys. Yeah. So I just think they're building the team the right way and they're building it very sustainably. And I think that we're in for an era of Detroit Lions football that you and I have never seen. I totally agree. And I'm glad you brought up both Gibbs and and Campbell. I'm not saying they were the two best players in the draft. When I went through the tape of these guys, these were my two favorite players in the entirety of the draft. And like just period, when you throw on Jameer Gibbs and see the extra gear that he had and getting like, just like there are plays where he like catches it, like almost like fate, like a, a screen pass facing the quarterback turns around and then just blows by everyone. There's one thing I, yeah, if there's one thing I didn't like in Det- from Detroit in this game was that I didn't think they used him enough, to yeah. be honest. But right. he is so freaking talented. And then Jack Campbell, like I, I don't say this lightly. When I that was the first linebacker that I watched in college that I legitimately saw some Luke Keekley to his game. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's going to become Luke Keekley. That's about as high a praise as I can give to an inside linebacker. But like I, I saw some Luke Keekley to his game, and uh, those two are going to be phenomenal football players. Which obviously I'm not super pumped about that they ended both <laughs> up in the in the same division. And Brian Branch was like the biggest no brainer in the world at that point in the draft. So right. we saw we saw the impact that those three guys made. And the big thing, the big question that I had for the Detroit Lions, and part of this is as you mentioned, just we you know growing up in the NFC North, knowing who the Detroit Lions are. Every time in my lifetime that the Detroit Lions take a step forward, it's immediately followed by taking two steps back in the offseason Jamal Williams is gone you have all the gambling things Jamison Williams gets suspended I'm like here we go again like they're gonna this is their classic Detroit Lions taking a step back after they finally do something good and then they erase all of that offseason stuff with one uh you know big victory in Kansas City we'll see if they can keep it going but this does very much feel like a different Lions team yeah, I do think that they miss Jamison Williams, and I think they're going to miss him in the beginning because, I mean, you you did not see their offense be as explosive as it was last season. I mean, even to start the season, this was an offense that was averaging 35 points a game for through the first four games. <laughs> the issue was their defense was literally giving up 35.1. Um, and that's obviously not the issue because the defense, I think, were the stars of that show holding Kansas City to whatever it was. Was it 20 points? Yeah. Um, and which was – and yeah um, – Anyway, it just seems like 
they're going to take some time to kind of figure out that equilibrium. But once they get Jameson Williams back, man, and they have that true outside threat, that guy that can go down the line, I do think Jameer Gibbs is going to end up being a lot more involved than what we saw and, and be used a lot more creatively. I just don't think that that was the team to do it against or if for whatever reason, it just they didn't get the matchups they wanted to, to use him like that. But the stuff that didn't show up on the stat sheet with Jameer Gibbs, I mean, like you saw like his burst and his speed and what he could do as soon as he got the ball. I mean, he almost goes into like, fast motion when he like grabs the ball turns around and then just starts up the field it's it's yep. so seamless and that can be used that can be weaponized and that's yeah, exactly so. what they're going to do and i think they found a really good thing i want to make sure to mention sam laporta too because oh, he looks to be like a true combination tight end which is so hard to find these days because even tight ends in college are being used basically as glorified receivers as big receivers and they're not really taught to block as much and this is a guy that's coming in that is that true Y tight end, which is so hard to find. Yep. And I think he's going to be a really great player and just hats off to Brad Holmes and and that entire staff that was able to identify these guys and get them where they wanted them. Yeah, it looks like a phenomenal draft for them. And it's going to be really fun too, to keep an eye on the Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, Sam Laporta, Luke Musgrave, that whole run. <laughs> yeah, of that tight whole end tight end class. Of, yeah, bottom of first to kind of middle of second that all went kind of right in that range just to see where they end up. But uh, both the Packers and the Lions with Laporta and Musgrave, Grave seemed very happy with their two selections up yeah. until this point. Let's move over to the Minnesota Vikings who previously traded for a different Lions tight end, TJ Hawkinson. But uh, you had a great piece writing, you know, the Vikings finally came back to earth in one score games. I thought Jordan Addison looked legitimate in this game. That yeah. was one real positive for Minnesota. But after all the success that they had, there was all the talk of like they're a huge regression candidate because of their score differential last year. They looked bad in the playoffs against Danny Dimes and the New York Giants. And they had the has not aged well. Yeah, no, it did not at, uh, at all. Um, they also had the huge loss to Green Bay just a couple weeks before that in Green Bay. They didn't have a ton to play for in that game, so maybe a little bit more understanding. But this is a team that uh, has not played their best football. Over, I mean, we're going back to last year a little bit, but going back to the end of last year and now to – Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers, something just seems a little bit off with this team. It does. And I think a lot of it has to do, I, I said that, I think I said it in the piece, but it's funny to think that they could have a better team on paper because I do believe they do and still lose more games than they did last okay. season. Yeah. And listen, Jordan Addison seems everything they want him to be. They don't need him to be the dude because they have Justin Jefferson. They just need him to take enough attention and command enough respect with defenses to take some of the attention off of just uh, Justin Jefferson. But even so, I mean, Justin Jefferson is, double covered and Kirk Cousins is still throwing him the ball. And that's something that Kevin O'Connell has said he wants him to do. Those are those opportunity balls that he has stressed with Kirk over the last year or so, because he knows that Justin Jefferson can still make those plays. So I'm not really worried about the offense. I think Alexander Madison didn't have like a, like any sort of notable performance, but at the same time, there were many games where Dalvin Cook didn't have a notable performance either. You basically just need a running back to be able to set up other concepts in your offense, but your offense does not live and die with the run game. That's not how Kevin O'Connell's offense is built. The defense, I think, is where these guys have taken a step back, but only temporarily. Um, I got to sit down with Brian Flores, and I have a whole feature up actually on FoxSports.com. Um, I spent about 45, almost 40 minutes with him and learning about his defense and what makes him tick and what he values and how he prioritizes things. And what he told me was his defenses, they're obviously aggressive. I don't think that's news to anybody, but 
they put a lot on the players themselves. And he said, in an ideal world, I don't want to know what's even going on out there in between the snaps. Like, I can't, I don't have a ball. I can't predict those things. I want my guys to be equipped to make those checks, to, to make sure that they understand what the defense is doing. He, he's not asking every single one of his players to be coaches, but he's going to lean on guys like Jordan Hicks, Harrison Smith who are your veterans on that on that side and can talk to everybody. So those two guys are going to be like coaches on the field. And I think when you put that much in the hands of players, it's kind of like, a oh, wow, like we kind of control our own destiny at this point. And it's going to take a little bit of time to get adjusted to that. And you saw this with Brian Flores in Miami when he was the head coach. That first year, they were still bottom of the league in sacks, which is very not what you think of when you think of Brian Flores. Two seasons later, he had them in the top five, but it took about a season, maybe not quite a season. It took a little while to get going. And I think that's what you're seeing. And that's what you're seeing, especially on that third and 10, where Baker Mayfield ends up going to Chris Godwin, who makes the catch of his life for 11 yards to continue with like, I think there was a, a little over a minute left in the game. So that instead of giving the ball back to the Vikings, the Bucks were able to run out the clock. That I don't think is going to keep up. I think the defense is going to get better, but that's kind of, what happens when you change, maybe not, a, like it's still a 3-4 scheme, but you change defensive coordinators and you change a system so drastically around that it's just going to take a little while to get going. Now, the offense, though, can kind of sustain you and the offense is going to have to. So, yeah. Kirk Cousins turning the ball over multiple times. Hopefully, that's not a trend that continues either for them. I disagree. I hope that is a trend that continues. Well, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And yeah, I do think yeah, we're such an instant gratification society. We want a new defensive coordinator to come in and immediately this is a top five defense. And right. every rookie that comes in immediately, they're a Pro Bowl caliber player. And it's just like, we got to let this stuff breathe just a little bit. I have um, I have no, uh, like, I'm not looking forward to seeing a, a Brian Flores, Flores-led defense, you know, coming to Green Bay at any point. Like, they're going to be just fine by the time the season goes along. Those players are going to figure it out. Harrison Smith's going to be a guy that figures that out really quickly and probably leads the rest of that defense. So I'm, I'm with you. I think they're going to be just fine. Probably just a little bit of a hiccup. But now they go into Philadelphia tonight as we're recording this, as, uh, as it airs, everyone will know the results of this uh, as they're listening to it. But that's not an easy quick turnaround on a Thursday night to go to Philadelphia um, and play the Eagles in Philly. So that should be an interesting matchup there as well. Yeah. They're really going to be missing Garrett Bradbury too, who was already ruled out and uh, they could have Marcus Davenport back and that should go a long way, but having him opposite to Neil Hunter, this was, that was actually something else Flores told me was that he's never really had these bona fide pass rushers. these very perpetually productive pass rushers. If you want some alliteration there, Um, that was something he had to make do without. And that's why his defenses got so creative with the pressure looks and everything that they were able to do in Miami. But now he has those guys. So I, I fully expect him to use them especially if he has both of them uh, it forces offensive lines to make some really tough decisions there. So once he has Marcus Davenport back in the fold, I think we'll see this defense kind of get going a little bit more, but that that's, that's the matchup to watch is, is Austin Schlotman, who is the backup center snapping to, I mean, that was not, there was, were not clean exchanges last game after Garrett Bradbury went down. Um, and he makes, it makes a huge difference when he's out. So that'll be, especially against this, 
I was gonna say it's, you, you, now you get Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox and Yo, Josh no, kicking inside and you know, Hassan Reddick coming around on a you know game and it's like and like as an afterthought and then like yeah Fletcher Cox is an afterthought you're like oh God. relentless it's completely relentless so yeah that that's gonna be a good good matchup there probably mm-hmm. a good matchup for Philly maybe a little bit more let's go lightning around through these other three NFC North games and and just kind of a matchup to watch let's start with Packers Falcons what are you kind of looking for there? Yeah, I mean, again, it's going to be up to the offensive line to give Jordan Love as much time as he possibly can. And this is against a Falcons defense that has outperformed expectations in week one. Um, I think that they've figured out some things of how to, again, those creative pressure looks, the stunts, the twists, the things that they were doing with their defensive line. Um, And hopefully you get Christian Watson back, but I really think it comes down. I'm probably going to end up saying like it comes down to the trenches for every single one of these just because that's who I am as a person. But like, I do believe that a lot of these, these games to really matter what what happens inside uh, you know on the line of scrimmage um let's go, yeah uh, yeah let's go to seahawks and lions which i think this is going to be a really interesting follow-up for the lions seahawks are going to try i'm sure desperately not to move to Owen two coming off their loss last week mm-hmm. the lions have a little bit of extra rest coming off the thursday night football game from last week mm-hmm. how do you see this one stacking up and what are you kind of watching for here yeah, actually, I'll go to the perimeter then in this time um, as far as the Seahawks secondary. And we haven't seen Devin Witherspoon yet. And I was a huge fan of him, him coming out. Um, and then what these, this Lions offense is able to do again without Jamison Williams and to see what Amon Rocket St. Brown can do. And then if you can get Jameer Gibbs involved a little bit more in the passing game, I think that that's something you want to watch for too and then see how that stacks up against Seattle secondary. Yeah, I like Detroit there. I, I do think yeah. you know Seattle is going to do everything they can and fight through that to try not to go in two. But uh, I just think with the extra rest and the extra time to game plan for Ben Johnson and company, I think they're going to be well prepared. I'm going to take the lines there. Well, how about then finally Bears at Buccaneers? Buccaneers get the win versus Minnesota. Could they go to two and zero in the Baker Mayfield era? I think so. I, I said it after the Minnesota game, actually. And I mean, I, I worked for the Buccaneers for six years, full transparency. Um, still know a lot of the guys down there. And 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 my career has forever been altered by Todd Bowles himself. Um, but he, I think that this team is going to surprise some people this year. I don't think it's so doom and gloom after the, you know, post Brady era. And I mean, one thing that's going to happen, though, is Todd Bowles is going to blitz you and he's going to get pressure and he's going to do a lot of things with that front because they have some dogs up there. They have not only Vita Vea, but they took Logan Hall last year in the first round. They now have Kalijah Kansi and that's just the interior. (laughs) <laughs> and they have this crazy rotation up front um, that's going to be able to push the pocket and really make that Bears offensive line uncomfortable and by by uh, by res- a result, Justin Fields. So I think that that's one thing to watch. Also, they're going to try and force Justin Fields to have to throw it. Todd Bowles' foundational principle with his defense is to stop the run first. So stop the run, get pressure. Those are the two things that the Bears cannot afford to let happen, but it's probably going to end up happening. Um, and I just, I, I don't know. Maybe Todd Bowles can set the blitz record. <laughs> he might, Bears, he but I'm, might. I'm taking the Bucks if, if that wasn't blatantly apparent. Yeah, I'm with you there too. And I, I'm glad you brought up the, you know, it may not be doom and gloom after the, the Tom Brady. I think one of the things that got lost in translation with both the Packers and the Buccaneers is, you, you have this overarching feeling, understandably so, of like they're moving on from the greatest quarterback of or all time and, and Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and Aaron Rodgers. And how are these you know other quarterbacks possibly going to live? And I think we lose the fact of like 
Tom Brady in 2022 wasn't that same caliber. I'm not saying he was bad by any means, but this was not your usual Hall of Fame MVP caliber Tom Brady. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. He's right. His down years are better than most quarterbacks' best years. I totally get it. But this isn't your normal MVP Hall of Fame caliber season from Aaron Rodgers either. I mentioned the 245 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. The last time Aaron did that was in 2021 against Mm -hmm. the Ravens in like week 15 or something like that. So um, this isn't the exact same two quarterbacks that we're used to seeing. And I think that transition away from Aaron and Tom isn't maybe quite as harsh as maybe some people thought it was going to be. And I think, I'm not saying that Baker's all of a sudden going to go out and have an amazing season by any means, but I do think that transition isn't quite as harsh as maybe some people thought. Well, and especially given the fact that Dave Canales is now his offense coordinator and Dave Canales was in Seattle and saw the career resurgence of Geno Smith. So who better to, for Baker to end up having a career resurgence with than the guy that did it for Geno. Um, and I, I think that the the Bucks they don't have the continuity on their offensive line that they would want. Uh, I was very skeptical about them switching Tristan Wirfs from right tackle to left, but Tristan just, again, I should have never doubted him because he's that freakish of an athlete that apparently he's going to be as good of a left tackle as he was on the right side, despite the fact that that was all he did his career, but it's fine. Um, I think that's a still a little bit of, of a weak spot for for the Buccaneers, but it doesn't seem like the, the Bears have been able to generate um, a consistent pass rush at all, especially from that interior. So I just, I don't super worry about them and I don't super worry about that matchup. And yeah, I mean, and Tampa Bay's defense too has really great corners. You have Carlton Davis, you have Jamel Dean. Um, and those are two of like, those are two very probably top 10, top 15 quarter corners in this league. And I just think that Todd Bowles is going to have him ready to go and he's going to know exactly what to do to get Justin off platform. Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to be, uh, I think, a a game that Tampa Bay has to their advantage, especially playing in Tampa. They go into Minnesota win last week. This should be an easier matchup at home this week. Uh, Last question before we get out of here. One weekend, we'll do this every week, but uh, as if you had to stack the NFC North right now, all four teams, how are you stacking them going into week two? Uh, Lions, Packers, Vikings, Bears. Yeah. It feels fairly simple at this point, but I'm right there with you. I wouldn't change any order there. And I think, um, I think that's, that might just very well be how it ends up through the course of the entirety of this year, Packers and Vikings maybe, but um, it feels like Detroit's the clear one feels like Chicago's the clear four. And then we'll kind of have to see how the rest of it plays out and injuries play a factor in it as well. But Carmen, you are absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to be able to do this uh, every week through the rest of the season. Tell the good friends of the Packaday podcast where they can follow your work and where they can find you on social media. Uh, yeah, Carmi V, C I R M I E V, is my social channels. And then my work is on foxsports.com. Um, I appear, not that Packers fans will care, but I, I appear on the Adam Rank, uh, the sick podcast with Adam Rank, uh, talking about bears every Wednesday night as well. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, you, you can follow all of my work both on Instagram and, and Twitter. Make sure to go give her a follow. She's going to be here on the Packaday podcast every single week through the course of the season covering the NFC North. We are so incredibly glad to have her. Uh, like I said, make sure to give her a follow. You can follow us at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. That is going to do it for us today. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. 